Welcome to the Humble Hoof Podcast. My name is Alicia Harlov. This is a podcast for both horse owners and hoof care professionals, offering discussions into various philosophies on the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Please check us out on Facebook or at thehumblehoof.com. So this podcast episode is going to be a little different than our average episode. I hopped on a call with Alyssa Stratton, Bethlyn Lewis, and Michael Linton to talk about what we look for in an ideal hoof care client. And yes, there are some horror stories and vent sessions thrown in there, but overall, we love the people we work with, and chances are, if you're listening to this episode, you're probably already a pretty great client. So feel free to share it with friends that may benefit and enjoy our somewhat crazy conversation. Okay, cool. So who wants to start? Alyssa, do you want to start? (laughs) We're going in (laughs) alphabetical order. (laughs) My name is Alyssa Stratton, and I'm a hoof care provider in San Ynez, California, which is up north of Santa Barbara. And I've been doing this for about 11 years now. Perfect. Beth, do you want to go? Uh, Yes, I'm Beth Lynn Lewis of Equibalance Farrier Services, and I've been a full-time farrier in northern New England, mostly in the New Hampshire area. And yeah. I'm I'm Michael Linton. I have been a farrier for 11 years and I'm in Connecticut. Uh, I work on a mixed practice, but um, it does tend to be more towards the shoeing side. Yeah. Awesome. Um, And I've met all of you in real life. I don't think either of you have met Alyssa. I have. Nope. Yeah, and Alyssa and I often often lament over over Facebook Messenger. Um <laughs> we'll we'll kind of vent about our day. And I feel like a lot of our conversations have revolved around clients and what we look for in clients and when we realize a client might not be fitting well with our ideal practice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I thought that'd be a good topic to discuss because some owners, I think, honestly don't realize that some things they do might not be helpful or some owners, you know, would take feedback of what they can do and actually make our lives easier if they just knew. So yeah, uh, I think just to start the conversation and it's so funny because I mentioned this over our group chat and I don't even know what I would say, but the first question just to start us off is, do any of you have, like, do you have a, a client characteristic that is your most important? Um, and I don't know if Alyssa wants to start because I know hmm. I chatted with her a little bit. So my number one attribute that I look for in a client is definitely an open-mindedness and a willing to experiment. So say your horse has been diagnosed with PPID. And we find that they're becoming sore again at the seasonal rise. Are you willing to try to up their pergolide? Are you willing to try to test hay if you haven't gotten your hay tested? Are you willing to really try and figure out what the root cause is? Or are we shutting down all the suggestions? So I really look for somebody who wants to work with me and who wants to try new things. Yeah. I get so excited when I have clients like that. <laughs> I know. That's like the number one hoorah time. Yeah. Uh, Beth or Michael, do you guys have something that you feel strongly about in that respect? Um, 
I think uh, the number one attribute, I don't know, I, I, I guess just not being crazy, right? Like, <laughs> it's just some people are just a little, I'm crazy. I've got my issues. You know, we've all we've all got our level of what we're going to put up with, you know. We get um, we get these phone calls, and you know, I I don't answer the phone if it's not a client. Um, just you know, we've all you know, we've got our cell phones, and we've got these things that tell us who's calling. If it's not a client, I don't answer. I let it go to voicemail. Um, it's either spam or it's a new client, and I'll listen to the voicemail. And if I get a good feeling from the voicemail, then I think, hey, potential client. Um, either way, I'm going to call somebody back. Um, but basically, I think that's where we start, right? I mean, just uh, if the person sounds like they're just not going to match my personality, you know, what I need from them. And it's it's a little unfair because uh, a lot of the clients that I would turn away today, I wouldn't have turned away five years ago. And I still have and love a lot of those clients. But my screening process has just gotten a little more, you know, I mean, my the books are full, basically, right? So to take somebody new, you maybe have to lose somebody else. And um, so basically, I, I guess just not to sound crazy would be the number one aspect. People are generally going to work with me and with the vets. So yeah, I don't know. No, yeah. that's so funny. No, I love it. Because when you mentioned like, oh, you, you only pick up your phone for clients. I was like, I never pick up my phone for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Same. I, I and I tell clients or new clients, like, hey, if you called me, chances are I'm working and I don't have my phone. It stays in the truck, so my focus is on the foot. And if oh, I yeah. come back, there's 10 missed calls and it's from one new Ooh. client that is like, my, no. I can't reach my farrier. The shoe fell off. I need yep. you out here immediately. It's like a red I'm flag. Here, I'm right. Huge red flag. Like that person just sounds crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, cra- crazy is a big one. One thing that puts me off is when somebody texts, email, Facebook, however they reach me, and the first thing out of their mouth is, what are your prices? Ooh, that huge yeah. turn for me. Yeah. I feel like immediately they're tired kicking me. And if my prices aren't within their budget, and, and you know, maybe it's a really great client, maybe they are on a budget, but like soften me up a little bit. Explain why you're looking for a new health care provider. Don't just randomly send me a Facebook message. What do you charge? It's funny, you know, I've got, um, like, I fully get the uh, what do you charge thing, because is that the most important thing for your horse? No, it's not. But also, you know, if I hire somebody to come out to the house to do something to do some work for me, we're going to talk about price, like, it's an important aspect. So I feel like we should, you know, the client should be able to talk about it. Yeah, but generally, if that's the I guess it's just, um, one of those things that, uh, you know, you get your hackles up about because you get used to it. If if they're, if they're asking that question, they're generally looking for somebody that can get out there today and, you know, and, and isn't charging on the higher end. Right. Because I'll be honest about my pricing and say, well, what are you looking for? You know, when were your horses last done? Like I need more information. Where do you live to give you a price? And I'll tell people it's an estimate because, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm, not trusting of that new client right off the bat. Like you got to earn my trust and respect a little bit. You know, if you tell me you've been through six barriers in a year, <laughs> chances are I can't help you either. <laughs> Has anybody ever told you that? <laughs> oh, I have. Oh it's, my it's, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> right. Alyssa, what so. were you going to say? I heard you kind of start. 
Oh, no, I was just going to say that I totally agree with Beth when it comes to if that's the first question, meaning I only get a line that is what do you charge or <laughs> what are you price like, what are your prices? That's basically it. I have a really hard time messaging those people back because while I do agree with Michael that you are going to talk price and I totally get it. Everybody has a different budget um, and there's a wild swing out here, especially in California. But if that's your first question to me, that's all the information you're giving me. And that's the only thing you want to know. You're probably a tire picker and you're just looking for the cheapest person who can do it for like, you know, the fastest and the cheapest. I'd agree with that for sure. Yep. And they want the longest schedule too. They want those shoes on eight, 10 weeks in the winter. And I'm like, don't allow. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that's something else I look for in a client is length of schedule. And I tell people I am firm. I book. My schedule, four, five, six weeks. Good, well-maintained horses. Yeah, we can go six weeks in the winter. The rest of the season, four, five weeks. And that's just, that's a non-negotiable for me. Yeah, I agree. If someone falls off the schedule and says, well, my horse's feet still look great, so I don't think you need to come this week. And I'll say, I'm booked the next four weeks. Can your horses wait that long? And and I say, I don't think they can. So either I come tomorrow or chances are I'm going to be too booked. And then they complain the horse's toes get too long. And it's and we talk and we, and we say, hey, we got to do the schedule. And I say, I keep a schedule. So in case we do need to reschedule due to weather, snowstorms, too hot, too cold, whatever it is, the feet aren't overdue every cycle. So I'm very firm with a cycle. So I have clients that go, oh, my God, I insist on a five week. And I'm like, me too. Like, that's a great client today. Yeah. But someone that keeps cycle. I agree. Yeah. And actually, I like the clients that ask me what cycle their horse should be on instead of them saying like, oh, can we do six weeks? If they say, what do you think? What do you think my horse's feet need? What length of cycle? I really like that because then they're trusting me that I can decide how many weeks the horse can go and not end up distorting, you know? Yeah, I really agree. Yeah. And Michael, you had mentioned like way back in your answer to the first question about how you have a screening process Um, Is that just something that you kind of keep running in your head or is it just listening for red flags when you're talking to someone? Yeah, I am. uh, Man, I don't know. I don't know what the word my wife would probably be able to describe me a lot better, but um, I do. I've got a I guess I've got a screening process for everything and um, I don't have a lot of room for BS in my life. So I you know, if, if somebody calls me, I, I might ask them some questions, you know, about their horse and, and get a feel for them. You know, like being on a being on a schedule is super important. The horse needs to stand for me. That's some basic stuff that I'll that I'll ask them. But I don't have like a I don't have a list like some people I've seen some really cool lists. Generally, I'll just talk to the person and get a feel for them. And if it starts feeling weird, I'll generally just be like, who's your vet? Um, You know, have you talked to them? I'll just basically just turn the conversation and be like, have you asked them for a reference or something like that? So uh, it's kind of a lot of it is up to is up to feel for me. You know, how does this person feel? And um, yeah, you know, what do they want to do with their horse and and what's going on with the horse? And, you know, are they new to horses? Is this like a big baby and it's like their pet kind of thing? And yeah, yeah. And I know that we don't want to, or at least I'm really careful not to like just start trash talking or, or anything of any of our clients. <laughs> but I was wondering if any of you guys had any any times where you thought you screened a client and then you showed up and thought, oh no, 
this was a bad idea. Oh my, oh my I just goodness. Stay in and drive away. Let me um so uh so yeah. let me let me preface with um there's a, a fantastic vet that I work with, um Dr. Karen Nesser, and we were talking about this one client. We pulled up to their property um separate times, but I was like, Hey, so I went to uh, so and so's house and um, let me tell you what happened and she said uh I pulled up there with my granddaughter. Granddaughter travels with her a fair amount. And um, she she had never been there before as well. And when she pulled into the property before she put it in park, she turned to her granddaughter and said, we never have to come back here again. And she didn't. And um, I've got uh, I've got an open mind. You know, like not everybody had, had not everybody has the same. I don't know. Uh, uh, financial outcomes, whatever. Not everybody's got the same same stuff that they're dealing with but i started working on this woman's horse wasn't my normal setup this was a handful of years ago uh so we weren't in a barn we were in the driveway horse was fine um everything went okay but like halfway through the uh halfway through the the shoeing process um the woman's husband comes out and asks me to show do would you like to see my belt buckle collection and i'm thinking like i'm working on your horse i don't i've got zero yeah, um, I don't want to see your belt buckle collection, but it was a collection of Nazi paraphernalia. And um, yeah, and like, I'm like, clearly, like, I don't know if that's ever probably never happened to anybody that I'm talking to right now. But um, I was really, I was really put back. And like, what do you say in that situation? If you've got a half an hour to think about it, or, you know, you've left and you've like, oh, I've got this really good response now, you know? Um, but, uh, he showed me and all I could think of to say was, I really don't appreciate that. And, uh, and he, he put it away and he like backpedaled him. He's like, Oh, like I, you know, not a big deal. Like I sell these things or whatever he said, like, you know, like he put him away and it was just like, okay, like this is really weird now, you know? And, you know, again, like the rest of the process, like shoeing and payment and like all that stuff went fine. And I was uncomfortable enough that, um, that I made another appointment. And I called up the vet that I knew had been out there and um, we had a discussion and I was just like, this is just really weird. And like, uh, we all feel differently about different things. And, you know, not that I couldn't work for somebody that has like very different opinions on something that I do, but it was just freaking weird. And uh, I did. I texted her back and I was like, hey, whatever. I, I don't even know. Like, I'm busy and uh, this isn't going to work out. Good luck to you in the future kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah go well feel free to beat that one go ahead i know thanks. i was gonna say i don't think i can beat that one <laughs> i mean mo- i think the weirdest one i've had is like where i felt really uncomfortable with like husbands y- husbands of Ooh, the horse owners yeah that's very different being um being a man you know uh, for a lot of different reasons but yeah i think i've probably caught like a couple of women taking a picture of me bent over and like whatever like have fun with that i don't really don't care but um but yeah it's a very different scenario being a man yeah so basically moral of the story is respect your health care provider in all aspects (laughs) i I was thinking the moral of the story was don't show them your uh your nazi paraphernalia (laughs) or just don't have it just don't have nazi paraphernalia (laughs) yeah i like that one too (laughs) i would have known what i would have been stunned i would have been like I, uh, uh, like I, that that whole thing gives me anxiety. I would have been floored, but I don't know. Being a woman, if if the husband would have been like, "Hey, you want to check out my belt buckle?" 
Like I would have been like, no thanks, like hard pass. Like I don't want to look at your belt buckles. Like to me, that was like an innuendo. <laughs> you know, like thank you. So when you yeah. said, see, I, I was because I wasn't sure what he was going to show you. I wasn't <laughs> going there. Just, you, yeah, no right, idea. Right. Yeah, and I would have. Yeah. yeah, that. No, I don't. I don't. I can't beat that story. I misjudged one um, earlier this summer, and it turned. It was horrible, but I thought if I give the lady the benefit of the doubt, even though there was a ton of red flags, that maybe I can mold her into a really good client if she understood the importance of hoof care. So she sends me this email, like I've got kill pen horses and they haven't been done in a while. I have a hard time picking up their feet. I look back in my emails and my notes and I never asked when they were last done. And I looked at them and mm. these horses were ready to, to do the, the, backstroke they could go swimming they were so long they had paddles and i said when when were they last and this was like end of may into june around that time and she said well i haven't had anybody out since november and then she asked me she goes where's your helper and i go oh excuse me she goes well my last barrier he brought his wife and she was a vet tech so she would sedate the horses you don't do that right and i said no 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 i said i'm sorry i i don't i said that's that's illegal for me to do and she goes, well, how am I going to hold them? Uh, so wow. I said, a, a lead rope and a halter. And she's like, I only have halters for these two. And there were six of them. Wow. One was in, I was there for five and a half hours for six horses. Oh my gosh. Wow. She totally misrepresented herself and her horses. And I forgot to ask, like, when are they? Because I would have been like, look, hourly rate. But honestly, like, I think what you're saying and something that I've done, too, is if somebody's honest and they say, listen, like, these horses might need sedation or they don't stand well i'll be like okay why don't we get a vet we'll get there at the same time we'll work on them together see what we can do like i almost am more willing to go into a situation like that if the owner is completely honest and they understand that the horse needs help but misrepresenting is Mm -hmm. obviously not helpful for anyone (laughs) yeah i'm literally i don't think i've literally ever gone to a client's house without having a phone conversation with them i feel like um i feel like that's super important not because like there's missing information i I need to have that conversation like i need to find out are we going to be able to mesh you know i don't know because i don't call people i am strictly like i'll text their email so you know what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna have all my new clients call you first (laughs) yeah that's a good idea i'll get right back to them and then you won't have to worry about taking them yeah (laughs) but honestly i think so where I am is I almost make it difficult for people to hire me because I I want to make sure that our, you know, philosophies align, that we're kind of, you know, have the same goals and the same, you know, we're, we're, we're both going in the same direction so that people know, I want people to look into what I do and look into, you know, my work and really want to hire me yeah that's part of the screening process yeah and another thing that i was just thinking about today and Alyssa, i don't know if this will necessarily apply as much for you but i lit i mean the three of us um over on the east coast live in more of a wet environment and days where i have to trim in mud or rain or weather um i (laughs) I tend to get a little bit grumpy if I don't have a place that has like dry footing uh, shelter over my head, especially or for you, Alyssa, I'm sure shade is a huge thing, too. (laughs) 
Yeah. When it's 119 out. Yeah. You're just yeah. like, okay, I had a client offer me an oak tree and I was like, I'm not going to do it in 119, but I'll rent you my tools. And she's like, no, I couldn't possibly do it in this heat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, so for me, the, I know it sounds weird saying the bare minimum, but for the bare minimum, I want like a flat surface that I'm not going to sink into and that if the horse puts their foot down, I'm not going to have to pick it up and wipe mud off of it to just be able to see it. Um, so even just a dry, clean area with something over my head, because if we're not able to see the foot, I mean, if I'm not able to see the foot, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to try. I, I remember, um, a handful of years ago when I was, when I was definitely going through that. And, and, um, you know, as the books fill up and, and you start to change your practice, uh, like bare minimums are a horse that, that stands still. If the horse isn't standing still, you've got, um, you can't tell if the horse is uncomfortable, pox, stifle, um, is he just misbehaving or is he actually uncomfortable? And that's an important conversation to have having a clean and dry area, basically like not working outside, you know, a barn with a, with a floor that is level, not like a stall that, you know, has a, has a dry area, but then you can't see the foot because they're shavings or because it's not completely flat. Um, lighting, lighting is super important. I'm pushing 50 at this point. And like, I feel like a lot of the, I don't know if this is an issue for me 10 years ago, roughly when I started, but now as I'm doing, I don't know if it's because I'm doing more quality work or because I'm getting older, but, um, but not being able to see is a, a major issue for me. I feel like a lot of places that I go into are the lighting is um, resembling a 15th century dungeon. Uh, <laughs> I really can't see anymore. You know, I've got these like cheaters, like the, the reader cheaters that I use sometimes Sometimes I'll put on a headlamp, but I go into some really nice barns and the lighting just isn't adequate. I'm essentially performing minor surgery on your horse's hoof. Like I'm making it look semi easy, but it's really difficult. And I can't, uh, a lot of times I can't see what I'm doing. So the lighting is really becoming a pretty major factor for me. The chit chatting, I love talking to people about their horses, but again, making things look easier than they are. If you want to talk to me about like, you know, so how's your week going? Like, I'm, I'm kind of happy to talk to you about that, but, uh, it takes a lot of my mental effort to actually do what I'm doing. So I feel like I'm kind of cheating the horse too. It's like, it's a balancing act between, because it is customer relations. You want the, you know, you want the, not just the client to be happy. Like, it's not like a cold thing, but, um, but really I'm, I'm there for your horse. And the more that you're distracting me from your horse, it, it is actually taking my effort, my brain concentration away from your horse. So I'll interrupt somebody and say, Oh, hang on a second. I need to think for a minute, especially if I'm hot seating a shoe or yeah. really, I'll be like, oh, hold that thought. Just give me five minutes. Cause sometimes people follow me back and forth between the horse and the cross ties. And then they're standing over me at the anvil. And sometimes I'm just like, can you just give me a minute? I just, I need to really focus here and I have no problem interrupting uh, at that moment. I have actually is, gotten pretty good at yeah. um, just saying like, hold on a second. Yeah. That's yeah, it. Right. Like just hold on a second. Because I'm tuning, I'm already starting to tune them out. 
And I want, I want to, you know, respect them and have yeah. a conversation about what they think is important at that time. But I'll be like, eh, just hang on. I, I need to focus a, a second there. Yeah. And then, and I know this is like skipping back a little bit, but going back to the barn, you know, wh- what you look for in your workspace, uh, obviously lighting is huge and I'm, I'm 33 and I still sometimes have trouble seeing the foot, especially if there's like one dim light, you know, 10 feet I'm glad feet it's not just head. me. Yeah. No. And, and one thing that I have found super helpful and made a huge difference this past summer, especially after recovering from COVID, I think was I was very, very sensitive to the heat is owners that had a fan and they offered or they offered to bring a fan out for me. I wanted to like kiss their feet. Like I was just like, thank you. Like I would love a fan <laughs> and a cold drink. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's oh, those hot days. I mean, a fan or circulating air and shade and, you know, staying hydrated, that can make a huge difference. And I'm sure Alyssa that that's even more important for you since you guys get unbearably hot in california yeah but you guys are lucky over there because you have a barn with electricity running out to it yeah probably one in every six to ten ranches out here and they can be super affluent places and they're beautiful um and this is an affluent place that i work in but not everybody has a barn and so it makes it really difficult because you might just be under a shelter or you might have nothing depending on how far of the walk it is it might just be easier to pull up to the horses, I say pasture, but when I say pasture, I mean dry lot, um, and trim right there out in the sun versus trying to walk the horse all the way back, depending on how long that is. Um, and I try to work with owners as best I can. I've gotten uh, crotchety in my <laughs> age just because I don't want to deal with some of the things that I dealt with when I was younger. And one of those things is, just like Michael said, horses that behave themselves. I can take a lot but I do not like to be tugged on anymore. My back really hurts. My neck hurts. And I think that's probably for most of us and the constant pulling and tugging. And what I do in those situations is I refer people out to a trainer that I really like. If I don't feel that they can train the horse because they've had it for X amount of years and it still can't stand very well for its feet to be picked out or to be trimmed, I refer them to a trainer. I don't want to do that work. And so I'm very appreciative when horses just stand still. Yeah, I have owners that I adore. Like I absolutely enjoy talking with the owner. I look forward to seeing them, but I dread like picking up their horse's feet because I know that they'll be fighting me or they'll lean all their weight on me. And like Michael said, sometimes we can make it look easy. Like there are times when owners are surprised when I say their horse is very difficult to trim because they're like, oh, but it didn't seem like they were fighting you at all. But if they're leaning 500 pounds (laughs) on me because they're just shifting all their weight onto my legs or my, you know, my arms, whatever, uh, that is a huge toll. It can make it feel like I've trimmed five horses when I trimmed one foot. Um, People have people have no idea. And um, just like with the educating on what's going on with their horse, you know your horse needs to stand still. And, and now that it's standing still and, and it's doing this, I can tell that X, Y, Z is going on. All right. What? So I go to a lot of different properties and it might be a beautiful, well-lit barn, or it might be somebody's back pasture where there is no shade or cover or, or run in. We have a shelter law that's only from November to April here in New Hampshire. The rest of the year, uh, horses don't need a shelter. And I have some of those clients and they know that if the weather's 
horrendous. We're just going to reschedule. And it's at my choice, not theirs. So if it's like, I don't know, like, and I usually don't weather cancel on too many people unless like we're getting a hurricane or something. But I've got a client who has a bunch of horses out at like a hundred acre pasture. And I don't mind doing those horses. I've been doing them a long time. When I pull up at whatever our appointment time is, right? I always give everyone a heads up like, hey, I'm leaving my last stop. I'll be, I'll be on the way. I'll be there in 25 minutes. And that's your cue as a client to get your horses ready, get them haltered, get them in the barn, get them wherever that we're going to work. And every time I pull up, she has every single horse haltered, feet picked, fly spray ready. She has uh, hay bags and she hangs them off the side of her pickup truck. She drives her truck right in the pasture <laughs> and they are all tied to the bed of her truck. And I get those horses done well, fast, a good time. She has a bottle of water for me. She has cash ready. And it's one of my favorite stops. I'm in and out of there quick. I don't have to wait for her to go catch the horses, any crazy thing like that. And I turn around and look and I'm like, I am caught up. I'm no longer running late today. And so I don't need somebody to have a barn. I don't need somebody to have like the Taj Mahal waiting for me. And, you know, yeah, if it's dark, yeah, I'll say, let's, let's move outside. Or I have a little clamp lamp that I can stick to my uh, side of my tool cart. But those horses out on that pasture, they're, when I pull up, I'm ready to work. And those horses are always waiting for me. And I love that. That makes, I thank her every time. I'm like, thanks for being right. And sometimes she's like, oh my God, I was rushing to make sure I beat you. And she's never been late. So that's important to, to have people and their horses ready. So when I get there and they pull in at the same time as me, I'm like, ah, let me go get my horse. And it takes them 20 minutes. I get agitated because I'm ready to work now. My yeah. chaps go on. I pick up tools. You know. I'm ready. <laughs> I literally couldn't even imagine waiting like um, a, a, an extended period of time for, uh, for the horses to show up. Oh. Michael Linton has arrived. He's arrived in barrier standards. He doesn't even <laughs> fathom waiting any longer. It's so true. <laughs> Where have, you ever, your horse? have you ever left a place because somebody wasn't ready for you? I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. My memory is pretty bad, but um, so I do have a high standard, you know, like let's have our horses semi ready. Like it doesn't need to be like licking these spilt like right now. But, um, you know, have your horse ready and, and like, be there and let's get ready to go kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, Alyssa, you were going to say something when you were starting to talk the same time as Beth. And I was wondering, I don't know if that was about timing. Yeah. It was going back to um, kind of the horses that pull and lean is that I worked with this amazing guy who would not call himself a trainer, but he worked with a lot of Mustangs. Um, and he was a chemist in San Diego. And so I referred all of my clients who had um, less than well-behaved horses to have their feet done to him. And what I'd ask him to do, and he did it every time, was he, I would say, please talk to the owner as they hold the horse's foot. So you need them to hold their leg and then talk to the owner while they hold their leg. So that's going to stimulate, obviously, us taking time to trim that foot. It's not as easy as just, or it's not as quick as just picking up the foot, picking it out and setting it back down. And I had so many clients kind of turn around and the next time I came out there go, I did not realize how bad they were to keep their foot up for an extended period of time. And it changed people's views. And that's when I stopped like getting pulled on so much because again, like I said, it just drives me crazy. So I think a lot of people don't practice holding their horse's foot up for as long as we need to work on it. It's much faster to just pick the hooves, put it down, move on to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 
Yeah, definitely. That's all I was going to say. Um, I'm trying to think of, I think we covered a lot of really good topics, but is there anything that maybe we're skipping over that we either take for granted or haven't chatted about? I'm, got one. I'm pretty picky about um, uh, what's going on while I'm working. Are there dogs running around, um, which is definitely not okay with me, like uh, definitely not running around. Everyone, I've got a couple of spots where I go to where there's dogs and it's an annoyance for me dogs are dangerous the horse doesn't care the dog doesn't care but every once in a while like you just never know what's going to happen like something bad can happen um politics are really really weird right now you know like i've, I've got um uh, like a spot that i went to recently where somebody's getting super excited talking to me about politics where you know, like i just want to work on your horse and um you know like the arms are waving the guy's getting excited and like i I might even agree with you, but like, let's, you know, let's drop it down or not. So that like the horse isn't getting excited. Um, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, uh, I'm pretty anal about that too. Like, let's just keep the work environment calm because the horse is a flight animal. So let's, let's keep things calm. Basically. I think that's, uh, the lighting, um, having a, a comfortable place to work. And, um, I guess comfortable also includes, the environment um, energetically as well. The the owner and kids, horses, God only knows what else. Like, um, you know, is it an eight foot aisle instead of 10 foot aisle? Let's not have a lawnmower in the way, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, those are really good points. Another thing too, like in some of the bigger barns, I'll ask when I book the appointment or if, you know, if I'm coming back and it's been real busy, I'll say, when is it a better, quieter time? it's tough for staff to get around where I am or if like if somebody sets me up working in a wash rack and somebody comes by and goes, I really need to give my horse a bath. And I'm like, Oh, I'm one foot in the middle of a full set of shoes. It's going to be a while. So I try to, and I don't like working on horses when the staff is dropping grain. Mm -hmm. I find it unfair to the horse I'm working on. Right. And that, that to to the horse you're working on. How about you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Right. So that's, that's well, my back thing. doesn't mind. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I'll ask like, Hey, can you let me know when it's a quieter time or ask the barn when it's better or a certain day when farriers can work when it's a little bit more quiet. I'll say one thing though. I will go out of my way for a client that respects me, respects my time, my schedule, you know, somebody that like is never late, has horses ready you know, if they like make me a sandwich for lunch, like you, you're in my book for a long time. And if they say, Hey Beth, I've got a horse show. Can we bump up our shoe appointment? I, I'm going to see if I can get that done because they're a good client and they treat me well. There's other yeah. clients where if they don't treat me well, they're not right. Chances are I'm going to hold them out of my schedule anyways, you know? And so if they, if they treat me good and, and are a good client and keep a schedule, if they need something extra, like I had somebody reschedule last minute emergency she never ever cancels or reschedules an appointment she said that's something came up i have to leave town and then she texted me today and said hey can we at least get my most important horse done do you have any time this week and she's texting me and she goes and i'll bake you a cake and i said i'll be there tomorrow at noon. <laughs> <laughs> and i plan on working a half day tomorrow but i'm getting a cake at noon time so basically nice. bribe us with food we'll take it <laughs> yeah nice. yeah because <laughs> we're always hungry and we're dehydrated i always tell my clients like like you know if there's a running joke with me like oh that's coming have the water because she hasn't drank enough today 
And so I have my clients trained to make sure I drink enough water. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Right? I've got one more. Yeah. So I can give you the best laid plan and we can definitely have forward momentum from lame to hopefully sound. But if I'm constantly getting excuses as to why you couldn't implement the plan, um, you were too busy, there's not enough time in the day, whatever the reason being, if I don't have at least, I don't know, half, three quarters of like owner compliance on a case, it's really hard to make a difference in that horse's life for their feet. So my big thing is please try as best as you can to implement the plan that we've laid out so that we all can have success together. On that note, if you're not, uh, if the, if the horse is on our, our, on a tight schedule, I think a lot of times a client will look down at a horse's foot and be like, it looks fine, but they're not seeing what we're seeing. And if the, if the capsule, if the, if the hoof capsule isn't being brought back to where it's essentially supposed to be, I haven't seen any scientific proof of this, but I think that the hoof capsule being stretched out, I think that it stretches the sole out. And I think that that makes the sole a little bit thinner super important on barefoot horses, but also on shot horses. If that, um, he's talked about it, but I don't know if there's a lot of scientific proof to back it up other than just, he talks about it and it has Mm -hmm. altered my trimming practice because I, I, I've noticed, but, um, uh, but anyways, uh, the trimming cycle is super, super important. You know, if the horse's hoof doesn't look long to you, that doesn't mean it needs, it doesn't need to be done. Yeah. Yeah. I say that's great that your horse's feet look great. I want them to look good the whole cycle and not continue look, to look, they good. look long. Then I, then I, then or the cycles too long anyway. So yeah, I guess I'm lucky. Like I am militant on five weeks. I don't even give them unless they are a laminitic case and we have to go every two to three weeks. You have five weeks and that's it. And if you want to get out of rotation, I guess that's your own problem. So I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, you back to what Alyssa was saying about owner compliance. I forget who said this, but I've, I've heard it said before that, you know, I can't care more about your horse than you do. So if I'm saying like, I want you, you know, I would really love it if you could like get them out of the mud, get them on a better diet, get them blood work to see if they're metabolic. And the owner doesn't do that. Like, I feel like I care more about your horse, (laughs) you know? Yeah. You can't care more about the horse than their owner does. Like it's, very difficult. I, so can I rant about one more thing that I please? I love ranting. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll only discipline a horse if a client doesn't do it within seconds. Yeah. You know, yeah. I always leave that up to them. And I make that clear with people like I'm not here to beat your horse up, but I expect you to have guidelines and rules for your horse to keep me safe. And then people sometimes say, well, I'm afraid to discipline them because you're underneath them. And I go, I move fast. I'd rather you correct them the moment they do the bad behavior because that bad behavior can hurt me. Yeah. I think sometimes your people just, they're like, Oh my God, like the farriers underneath the horse. I don't want to shank them. I don't want to hit them. I don't want to do something because what if the horse reacts worse? with that? There can, you know, like sometimes I'll have a conversation be like, um, you know, if, if we're dealing with a new horse and, and this new horse is being reactionary, misbehaving, Let's have a, let's have a cue. Hey, yeah. I'm going to get out of the way immediately. And you're going to shank and back this horse up. Like, let's have a conversation. Yeah, I agree. Cause I don't, I move fast, but I don't know if I move that, that fast. And so no. I just want a verbal warning before you slam that. Yeah. 
possibly into my space. So I yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah. And it, it can be simple as if he does it again, I'm going to step yep. over here. Yes. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Cause we do move pretty fast. Like obviously we have yeah. to you know, just, if I'm, if I'm moving back this horse up, like whatever, yep. you know? Yeah. Totally. agree. Yeah. I think that we covered a lot of good stuff. Did we kind of get the, the main gist of. Yeah. Don't be crazy. Have horses that stand well and keep us. Don't be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's such a big thing for me. Right. Just don't yeah. be crazy. Right. We're, you know, like I said uh, earlier, we've all got our own level. We've all got different levels of what we think is okay, you know? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to let you guys go, but thank you so much. I think this actually, it does have a lot of really good stuff. And I think, if anything, it's going to be really funny for the hoof care people <laughs> listening who will definitely relate. <laughs> cool. It was a good time. Yeah. I love yeah. it. All right. Well, have a good night. Cool. Okay. Thanks. Cool. Nice talking to everybody. Yeah. Have a Bye. good night. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. I always say that I'm slightly more hoof obsessed than the average person. And chances are, if you're listening to a hoof care podcast, you are too. So we should probably be friends. Feel free to find me on Facebook or email me at thehumblehoof at gmail.com.